Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Welcome to Financially Ever After. I am your host, Stacey Francis, and I am excited today to talk with Carrie Kazan, who is a financial coach. You've maybe never heard of a financial coach, but you're going to know exactly what this person can help you with by the end. And most importantly, you're going to learn a lot more about yourself and your relationship with money. Carrie goes through the eight money archetypes helping you identify yours and move on and change if you're finding it does not serve you. She also helps you identify your husband or ex's archetype so that you can better understand how to communicate with that person around money. She also talks about many of her clients who tend to be financial passengers in their life maybe not being part of the financials as much in their marriage as they need to be now. And she talks about how you can become that financial driver and make sure that you're on the right road to financial security. And make sure that you stay to the end. She identifies where women tend to overspend, where she finds leaks in their budget, even large leaks. She shares some of her clients she's worked with have spent not just $1,000 a year on clothes, but even one that was upwards of a million. That may not be you and you may not have as much fat to cut from your clothing budget, but she gives some key tools to help us to make sure that where we're spending our money is what best serves us, nourishes us, and helps us move along to financial security. I'm so excited that you are here today, part of Financially Ever After. And without further ado, I'd love to welcome our special guest today, Carrie Kasdan. Carrie, I'm excited to have you here today and specifically to talk to us as well about your background, what you did to get into this field. And I know that our women have a lot of tips that they want to learn from you. And the first thing I would love to hear about, you're a money coach. Is that something that you knew when you were a little girl you wanted to be? How did you find yourself? And also, if you could talk a little bit about what money coaching is and who might want to work with a money coach. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I do love talking about this. I do love empowering women and teaching women about their relationship with money. So I've been doing business management for over 20 years. And business management is we work with clients and we basically take care of all of their day-to-day financial affairs. And over the 20 years, you really see how different people spend money and some overspend and some save. And I always found it interesting why, what makes somebody a saver versus a spender. So 
several years ago, I went back and there's a wonderful woman named Deborah Price who trained me to be a money coach. I mean, I always sort of had an interest. I had also a background in psychology. And so I started getting more, a better understanding of, you know, what makes somebody a saver? What makes somebody a spender? And then I was able to help my clients understand that. So some of my clients that were always overspending, when we sort of approached it, rather than just giving somebody a budget, which maybe a financial planner will say, well, you can only spend X amount on clothing and you can only spend X amount on eating out and what have you. We spent a little more time understanding the why and working sort of from the ground level up through the foundation of their money relationship. And then they were able to make more significant changes going forward. I I have to say I'm in awe because you trained with one of my personal heroes, Deborah Price. I read her book, Money Magic, years, years ago. And so I will definitely put that information in the show notes for our listeners today. And what I love about her book is that she breaks out money personalities into eight different types. So they're not really personalities, they're archetypes. Archetypes. Because your personality is a lot more than just your relationship with money. Mm -hmm. It's like one little facet of your personality. And the types in the innocent, the victim, Mm -hmm. the warrior, the martyr, the fool, the artist. Creator artist. Okay. And the the tyrant. tyrant. And then yeah. I think the last one was the magician Yeah, uh, after money magic. I would love for you to talk about what are these archetypes and how do you match the one that you think you are? And if it's an archetype that isn't serving you, are you able to change that? So the good news is you are able to change that, right? We know the plasticity of the brain and that we can change behaviors and we can change thought processes and we can change patterns the more we do them right and we can sort of regroove our brain so but you can't do that if you don't understand it so you know if you don't understand what happened as a child because a lot of these patterns are formed by the time we're 10 and 11 first that's the first step so we we take clients through you know a series of exercises to help them understand their history. Once they understand their history, if it's a pattern that doesn't serve them well going forward, there are little action plans and little steps that we can take that are obviously highly personalized to each person and each story. And so they slowly start to shift their thought patterns, which then shift their behaviors, right? You can't shift your behavior really. It's like if you go to a nutritionist, And a nutritionist says, you know, stop eating sugar. Well, we all know that. But why why can some of us have better control to stop eating sugar and others can't? You know, money represents so many different emotions for so many different people. It's never one size fits all. So when we understand that and we can forgive people in our past, we can move forward. You know, forgiveness is a part. Understanding is a part. Forgiving ourselves. I mean, I have seen, especially women, we're so hard on ourselves. And I have women that come in, you know, a lot of times getting a divorce or thinking about getting a divorce and saying, you know, 
I'm so embarrassed. I'm so, they start up. I'm so ashamed. I'm so embarrassed. I haven't paid attention to this. I was busy raising the kids and I don't know anything. And I said, why do you beat yourself up on it? You've been focusing on other things. You know, you can only get really good at what you're focusing on. And they're just, I hate to see women so hard on themselves and so ashamed because there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's so common. It happens yeah. all the time. Everyone says, oh, I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell you, you won't, you'll never heard something like this. And I say, I've heard it, you know, 20 times. It's not that uncommon. It's fixable. It's changeable. You know, we sort of help them focus on, again, those small steps, but it also shifts there a lot of times how they view other relationships, other things that they do in their lives, you know, because sometimes your relationships with money carry over to other, right? If you're an innocent and you always stick your head in the sand, let's just say around money issues, there's a good chance you stick your head in the sand around other issues too, right? Maybe your health, yep. maybe your, you know, all of these other things. So I really love coaching. I really love empowering. It came out of my knowledge of business management and sort of the mechanics of it. But, you know, I've worked with several clients and I've worked with other financial advisors and they'll say, well, here's the budget and they just need to stick to the budget. And I will say wholeheartedly, it's not going to work if we don't understand the problem, yeah. right? If you don't understand yep. where the bleeding is coming from, the Band-Aid is only going to last for so long. What archetypes do you see most frequently with women going through a, a divorce coming in your door or that you see more often with women during trauma or transition? You know, I, I sort of hate to generalize, but I will, I will say a lot of times women that have gotten married, that have raised children, that have maybe taken a step out of dealing with their finances, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times you see the innocent Sometimes you yeah, see kind of like the head, that's the head in the sand. Yes. Not, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes yep. you see, you know, I mean, yes, if they're not doing that, you rarely see sort of the tyrant and the warrior. A lot of times you see that, you know, the fool. And, and I think it starts with this whole Prince Charming. We're just supposed to be there and wait for our Prince Charming to come and rescue us and take care of everything. And a lot of yeah. women, they still believe that. And they're like, I don't want to know. I, I don't. And I think yeah. that women think it's it's more complicated and, and more confusing than it actually has to be. Mm -hmm. And I yeah, always joke, you know, sometimes you meet with these, you know, investors, these money managers, and while they have to talk to you about, oh, we're going to, we're going to diversify, we're going to put X amount in large caps and small caps and over, my clients, that you see their eyes glaze over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I really encourage everyone to that's listening to read Money Magic and, and read this book because these archetypes make a whole lot of sense. And, you know, often there's pieces of us in different ones. And we just spoke a little bit about the innocent of having your head in the sand, but I also see the fool and I hate that word because it sounds so negative, but, yes. you know, looking for a windfall and, you know, hoping that your financial situation is going to change. And the other I sometimes see are women who are martyrs, who are always trying to rescue someone, trying to help. And, and maybe that was their spouse. Maybe that's what even attracted them to 
their spouse and now they find themselves in a difficult position. I've worked with some women that I would also have what would say they have a little bit of that victim archetype where they're blaming their husband for this financial circumstance Mm -hmm. that they currently are. And many times we see that the breakdown of the marriage was part of that. And we've all also, I see this is tends to be with more narcissistic spouses, the tyrant where Mm -hmm. he tried to control her Mm -hmm. and continues to control her by using money making the divorce process extremely difficult. For sure. But the woman is not the tyrant. Yes. So sometimes you have an innocent or victim with a tyrant. I mean, yeah, these are all sort of common. And, you know, I have noticed when a woman is going through divorce, there is really sort of this temporary, and I always say temporary breakdown in their life. You know, I really like to work with clients to remind them life is really long and Your life is like a long book, and this is just a pretty bad chapter, but they don't really, they're so ashamed, they're embarrassed, they feel like they're letting people down, they don't really confide in their friends, they sort of need a team around them, and so everybody knows you have to get an attorney, right, that sort of is, you know, number one, but you really should have a financial coach to help you through this phase, because it's too much if you're dealing with the emotions and trying to understand the legal jargon and what you're entitled to, and you don't even know where to go. And I have noticed that women, they just freeze. Mm -hmm. It's so overwhelming. And I just kind of say, let's just take one step forward every day. Yeah. And that's really smart because I feel the same way with cleaning the house. I'll be honest, Carrie. That's right. It is overwhelming. But if I say, I am just going to try and focus on this, you know, let's say our bedroom, it's doable. And I give myself a little time limit. Like I'm going to spend 10 minutes. That's it. And I put on music and it's actually really good. And all of a sudden, you know, I've done two, maybe even three rooms and everybody gets that. Everybody gets the trying to keep the house tidy and how do you do it? But with money, it can be very overwhelming. And in particular, if you've been an innocent where your head has been in the sand you ha- or, or you just haven't been as active with the money in your marriage, it can be really difficult. And, you know, step-by-step is really important. But I would love to talk about that. That's a great lead-in to something that I know you have a lot of thoughts about, of being a financial passenger in your life versus a financial driver. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that, Carrie? Yeah. So I think that, you know, you have women that A lot of times what's amazing is really bright, capable women that worked, that were able to, you know, pay their bills, support themselves, then they get married, then they make a choice to stop working to raise a family, which is a very honorable choice, hard choice. And, you know, they're out of the workforce for, let's say, 15 years, 20 years. There's no guarantee in life. And so in that time, financially, they've sort of become a passenger. Now, what I like to tell women, and I really like to tell, you know, the girls that work for me that are young, I say, when you are married, even if you don't do it, have a meeting with your husband quarterly. Let's go over it. You should always, and I don't like when women completely abdicate 
their financial responsibilities. Even if you're not doing it, understand what somebody else is doing. I cannot stress that enough. Even if you're not writing the checks and you're not making the deposits, maybe look at the bank statements every month. If you don't want to do it every month, maybe sit down a couple times a year with your husband. And, you know, if you have a good marriage, these should be, you know, you should be able to have these conversations and say, hey, you know, I know you make X and I'm just doing some quick math and God, we're spending almost that entire amount. How much are we saving? How are we Mm -hmm. saving it? You know, and, and again, I think women need a plan because before you start to worry and start to get too focused on, is my money invested in Apple or is it invested in this? Let's figure out what you're spending and how much, what the, the big number is that you can even invest. Mm-hmm. So once you start doing that, at that point, you're not just a passenger. You already are keeping a toe in the game where, God forbid, you know, again, the divorce rate is what, 50%? Yeah. So I always say, if you got into a car and I said, there's a 50% chance you're going to crash this car, you should know how to put the seatbelt on. You should understand the safety features, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Well, I, I mean, mean wow. You know? we, I mean, I, I would I would completely have a different uh, approach. And I would probably have a few pillows in there with me too. I mean, that's it's, really a great way to look at it. If you had a 50% chance of getting in an accident, how might you behave differently in a car? Right. I say that all the time. I said, do you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, I've had clients, I had a client one time who was married, they had little kids, married to a guy. He had a lot of family money. He also made money. They had a big lifestyle. So they would use all the money that they made from his job. And when they needed to take a fancy trip or something else, he would pull from his sort of separate account. She didn't understand. I said, just so you know, if something goes wrong, again, 50% chance of it's going to happen. He has that whole separate pile and you have nothing. You are a poor woman married to a wealthy guy. Now is the time to have that conversation to say this. And, and, you know, it caused a lot of problems because she was afraid to speak up. She was afraid to, you know, cause any fights because should he leave, where, what would she do? So I said, now is the time to either get a job to speak to your husband while your kids are young to say, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel fair. I can't be myself. And make some changes then. If you're going to wait for 15 or 20 years, chances, the odds are are not going to work in your favor that he's going to be quite as honorable and quite as generous and quite as, you know, fair. They just don't. I hate to say that. And there are some really good guys going through divorce, but I don't know. I think women think, tend to think more emotionally going through a divorce. And I think men tend to think more financially. Again, that's a generalization, but that is just what I have seen. Yeah, I agree. And men can often compartmentalize to then start to look at it as a business decision Mm -hmm. and a business result. Now, one of the biggest realities, the worst realities about divorce is that you're going from an income supporting one household to income supporting two. Yes. And for the vast majority of individuals, they have to look at their budget and they have to look at where am I overspending? Carrie, where do you see the most overspending? And if you look at my budget, oh, I can, co- I pre-COVID, can you, it would be shoes. It would be shoes for me. I can tell you it's the same. This is the one thing where I can tell you nine out of 10 clients when I meet them, it's never one expense. 
You know, it's never like, oh, if you just get rid of the plane and the yacht, you'll be fine. It's always, <laughs> it's always eating out, travel, clothing, personal, like when I say personal, you know, the massage, the hair, the nails, the scrubs, the facial, mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And in addition, you know, sometimes the car leases are a little, you know, everything is a little inflated, but it's really easy for me to say to clients, you know, we can just trim the fat and you won't notice a huge change in your life. I'm not saying you're going to just eating, you know, Chef Boyardee, but you don't have to get everything from Whole Foods. You know, there's like a lot in between. And I I mean, so I'm, that's where I notice clients. There's a lot of excess with, with, and I think with this pandemic, I mean, I was very curious with the pandemic to see if my clients who, right, nobody was getting dressed. Nobody was going to restaurants. Who was really not going to save? And some of my clients that are habitual spenders, even at home, they figured out a way to spend. You know, Amazon really went through the roof, Postmates, Grubhub, all of those kinds of things, which, you know, I always say it's expensive. Postmates and Grubhub, they're great services. They really, and convenient. But, you know, when you're looking to cut the fat, maybe order from a restaurant that you can run out and just pick up from. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We have a sushi restaurant two blocks from us. We're living in lower Manhattan and it has, they have a delivery fee. And then you also have the tip that you give to the delivery person and it adds $15. And it's my husband's job now to go get it. And he's like, oh, I just, I'd rather just stay home and I'll just pay. I'm like, that's $15. Right. Michael, that's that's $15. That's her avocado roll. Yes. For you to walk two blocks that will take you all of 68 seconds to get there. And we don't realize it, but we, all those small little teak, you know, it's, it's like a, a leak in your can of soda. Eventually there's going to be no soda left. And if you have kids, okay. And here's my next thing. When you have children, they see that leak and they think that leak is normal. Yeah. And they think all these patterns and behaviors are just what everybody does. Right. And I always say, and I have teenagers, I have a teenage daughter. And when she wants to do things, I say to her, these are expensive habits. You want to get a manicure. You want to get a pedicure. You should know how to do your nails, even if you get a manicure, right? I can do my own nails. I like to get a manicure. But during this pandemic, it's amazing how now all of a sudden she can do her own nails. I said, isn't that nice? Because when you go to college and you get your first job, I think getting a manicure is going to be low on the list. If there's enough money for everything, God bless, get a manicure every day. Mm -hmm. But it shouldn't be high on the priority list. And, you know, I work with clients and it's sometimes it's challenging when it's a married couple, but when you really make somebody commit to what are your priorities in your life and then let's align the spending. So when they want to spend on, you know, a lot and I say, well, that was item 14 on the list. Maybe we don't have to spend so much on item 14 because we want to spend more on items one, two, and three. Yeah. So I have seen over and over again, and I'd I'd love your feedback on this. Women that we're working with that they have to reduce their spending and they do. They cut out all Mm -hmm. those niceties for them, but 
they do not touch any of their spending on their children mm-hmm. because they don't want their kids to suffer they feel because guilty. of their divorce. That's right. But it's not realistic right. for them long term. They can't keep it up. And they also are really struggling because they've cut their own budget to the bone. It's like going on a diet and only being able to have salad. Like, how long can you do that? So, you know, I will tell you, and I have to sort of say this isn't cheating, but, you know, my mom is a very well regarded child psychologist who also works with families and issues of money and wealth transference and generational wealth. And, you know, was a great mom with great Midwestern values. And the truth is, and I always remind the clients, our children need love. The majority Mm. of what they need is free. And our guilt does them a disservice. And when we get divorced and we feel guilty, they need more love. They don't need more stuff. Right? You know, I mean, I went and met with a woman and she said, you know, my ex-husband gives our kids so much stuff. Why would they want to come to, he's in a big house. Why would they want to come to my little house? And I, I sort of thought like, the truth is if you did a good job connecting with your kids and being, you know, non-judgmental and easy to be with, your kids will be with you in a studio apartment because it'll feel good. Kids don't, I mean, God, it's pretty sad if your kids are that materialistic, but you know, as a teenager, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, but that starts, that starts when they're very young too. You know, parents do do that. I mean, listen, you see people that are in debt and a lot of times they're in debt because yeah, they're buying their kids the the greatest tennis shoes, the great, the latest, you know, iPhone. We just have to be honest with our kids and make sure that we're able to give them what they really need. Mm -hmm. See, it's hard when, you know, the truth, they, they overcompensate because they're not giving them emotionally what they need. Yeah, it's interesting because I was having a conversation with my husband yesterday about holidays and what are we going to do for the kids? And I've been going through their rooms and tidying and cleaning like so many people have during quarantine. (laughs) And the number of things like that haven't even been opened that were presents, right? And there's just too much stuff. and, And we talked about, well, how are we going to make this a great Christmas, but not give them all this junk? Like they don't need it. They don't really want it. What is that going to look like? What is that going to look like for them and for, for us? So yeah, it's really a great way to also talk to your kids about money, you know, about what, what they need. And how empowering for your kids to have a family meeting. Listen, you don't need to, yeah. you don't need to burden your kids with, you know, if you're struggling, but to say to kids, listen, we're going to make some different choices this year. We have a lot going on. It's a transition year for all of us in our lives. What can we do together as a family that, yep. you know, we all will enjoy that maybe won't set us back financially that much just because we're making, you know, we're making some different choices. We're having some different priorities. I mean, yeah. I was joking with my daughter yesterday because she ordered a pair of sweatpants that came in Amazon, right? Because that's what they do. And she said, mom, I needed sweatpants. I said, okay, that's it. Anything you get after November 1st, that's a holiday gift. I can't because then December comes. And you <laughs> that's true. This. And you're like, what do I get? 
So I know. She sent me a TikTok today of somebody <laughs> that says everything you get after November 1st counts towards the holidays because then it comes December. I have nothing left to give you. I don't know what to give you. You have to wait. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh, Carrie. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. The time has flown by. If you don't mind sharing how our listeners can find out a little bit more visiting your website, if you want to share your website. And I know that you've been up to some really exciting stuff. So they can go to my website, Carrie at summitla.com. And it's been great. I mean, during quarantine, we're now hosting these money coaching circles where we get maybe six women together, a lot of times at the same stage. They don't know each other. So, you know, a lot of times they can be really open and honest and vulnerable with a total stranger, especially on Zoom. And we can help each other. Women have to help women. Our friends, you know, we have to kind of change that dialogue, how we can lift each other up financially when we're going through a hard time and be supportive and not be judgmental and not be critical. So that's been really wonderful. I've really enjoyed doing that. And I really do love the education and the consulting part. And a lot of times, you know, people just need it for a while. This isn't like therapy that you need for 20 years. It's just, you know, to get you empowered. And then hopefully we can send them on their way and they can continue this journey. And maybe if they come back for a tune-up and they're slipping, it's like, you know, no different than a fitness coach or a nutritional coach. We're just a financial coach. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Carrie, oh, for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. This was great. Great. Thank you for joining us. Of course. Thank you for joining us for our podcast, Financially Ever After Today. I know that I'm walking away with a great amount of information on how I can improve my relationship with money and how I can improve my relationship with my spending, essentially spending in a more conscious way. I'm so happy you joined. And if you have questions about your personal situation, I ask you to reach out. The best part of our work is helping. And that's what we want to do. At Francis Financial, we work with women who are thinking about going through and have come out of a divorce, wanting to make sure that they're on the right road to financial security. And that's exactly what we can help you with. You see, we plan out your life out until age 95, looking at all the different scenarios of staying in your home, selling your home, college education for your kids, retirement, and more. And then match a portfolio on top of that to make sure that your money's working hard and able to get the returns to support your goals, not only today, but tomorrow and in the future. Reach out to me at stacy at francisfinancial.com. You can visit our website. There's a huge amount of great information, including a wonderful white paper, Unveiling the Unspoken Truth, Women, Divorce, and Money, giving you all the information you need to make sure that you are making good decisions during and after your divorce. So visit our website again, www.francisfinancial.com. And most importantly, thank you for joining us for Financially Ever After. We will see you in two weeks.